are here for a reason. Breaking down the brotherhood, one prayer at a time. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. Standing on his promises, we cannot fall. Amen. Morning stars together sing 849 on the screen. It's good to sing the praises of the Lord. Amen. To hear the saints of God blend their voices together. It's powerful. Amen. Morning stars
Wow, welcome to Right On Radio. This is part nine of the Mass Deception series. It's coming to an end. I will be ending this series this week. So Thursday will be the final installment of this particular series. And on Thursday, I'm going to be announcing the new series, which is very much a follow-up to this, but it will be getting into more details of some modern-day people that are uh, involved in this deception. And uh, I've already got the name for it. I'll talk about that and why I chose that name, or maybe the name was given to me. Um, but it's going to be very, very revealing. And really, this series has just been setting the foundation so that you understand the deception that is happening out there. And I want to remind you of the original thing the serpent said to Eve. You shall be like gods. God, Sorry, you shall be like God, not plural, knowing both good and evil. Well... We live in a time when we certainly know what both good and evil look like. In fact, a good friend of mine and I were talking last week, and she said something that was just so profound. You know, through this whole, what they're calling the Great Awakening, and I'm going to tell you that that is really from the Gnostic texts, okay, folks. Uh, the Great Awakening is not good. It's not as presented. It's a deception. But what she said to me is she said, you know, I feel like we've been robbed of our innocence. And I think that that statement is very true. Even though we knew that there was good and evil, what we know now and what is being revealed through this thing they call the Great Awakening is really setting up the end time scenario and you're going to see it very clearly but hold on to that lie that or not that lie actually it's a truth you will be like god knowing both good and evil was a truth and i'm going to introduce some more scripture and i'm going to just let you see some of the people who are influential even today in their own words, and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, hit pieces. In fact, I'm going to play you their entire video clips, except for the the last one where I'm just going to skip through. Um, but I want you to hear in their own words what they say. Before I do that, I have a really important announcement 
for you. Uh, as you know, I have been advertising Reckoning Fest in March 25th. That's just a week and a half away uh, from the time of this recording. And I got to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, and just hear me out. I'm not doing a big advertisement, although I'm going to encourage you to go. Um, when it was first announced, and and by the way, from the from the first one that I was at in Dallas that Chris Eric's threw, uh, it was fantastic, and uh, and I really felt I was called to go there and to deliver the message that I delivered. When this one was announced my gut was telling me that I should not be there and nothing to do with Chris or the event. In fact, uh, quite the opposite. It was just, my gut was telling me I should not be there. And then I had a, a really deep conversation with Chris and, you know, he's been a, he's been a good friend to me um, personally. And he was telling me about the investments and what he thinks is going to happen and, you know, that I could be a, a big part of it because, you know, he's taken his show in the same direction that, you know, right on radio is uh, currently. And, you know, we just had something I felt like, man, I want to stand in arms with you, man. I, and Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And so, you know, um, just so you know what the arrangement was, I waived my speaking fee. Uh, but it was going to cover all my expenses. And, you know, Chris was glad to do that. And so I had decided to go and then I, I've been advertising it. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I really got this feeling in my gut. And that's all I can say is it was a feeling in my gut about uh, I should not be going, but I've already advertised it. And I prayed about it and I had other people pray with me about it and I had to make a decision. I gave myself the date of last Friday and uh, I had a really heartfelt talk with Chris um, and I did tell him, look, I committed my yes is my yes. If you want, if you need me there, I will be there. But I asked him to release me from the event and he graciously did. Um, he has a lot of personal integrity and what he has planned for this one, the stuff that he has not advertised is what you should be really excited about. If you can make it to Dallas for the 25th, go to reckoningfest.com. And he, I believe he's just announced, uh, he has the VIP tickets. So they include breakfast, lunch, dinner, concerts and everything. Uh, but I think there's now a new ticket which is just conference only, but I, it still does include breakfast and lunch. And uh, it's at a really good discounted price, which makes it uh, very reachable for most people. Uh, so if you're able, please go to reckoningfest.com and go for that ticket. All right, so a couple things that I want to say just uh, before we get into and show you some of the... Um, clips I'm going to play. I'm going to be talking about the seven mountains and the manifest sons of God. In other words, Joel's army, if you're not familiar with it. But I just want to tell you about two scriptures that they really base these things on. 
and improperly, in my estimation. The first one is they base it on the account in Genesis chapter 1, verses 28. In fact, they when we covered the, uh, you know, Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn and Paul Crouch, and there's many, many more that say that they're like gods and really claim that Jesus didn't become God until he was baptized by John. Uh, they say that. And you have to dig sometimes in their books and stuff to find this because they actually really hide their uh, agenda. <laughs> and whether they're under deception or doing this purposefully, God knows that. Uh, but the ones that write the books and put the stuff in, I tend to believe they are doing this purposefully. And so in Genesis, well, they, they talk about and after his kind and after his kind, you know, when they, with the, all the animals and the breeding, and then they say, well, if God created human, it's after his kind, so you're God. It, you know, they stretch it out that way. But then they go into uh, Genesis 1, 28, where, you know, you shall, um, I, I don't have the exact scripture here, but it basically, you know, you're to rule over the fish of the sea and over every crawling thing. You're called to rule over them. And God's word is true. There's no doubt about that. But they take it further. And to me, that is a stewardship verse. Man is at the top of the chain on this earth. We are. So we are called to steward all these things. Look, I don't rule over a lion. If a lion's in front of me and I say to the lion, unless God's power comes in, uh, many people have been eaten, and I'm sure they they yelled Jesus as the thing was coming at them. Folks, let's just be real, okay? Um, of course, there's New Testament things with David and all that. I don't want to get hung up on it, but I believe they take it out of context, and they also take out a, a couple other ones. Um Isaiah 2, verse uh, 2. In fact, I'll read that one afterwards. But the first clip I want to show you is really one of the originators of the seven mountain mandate. And I'm going to play two of them because I just want you to hear these things in their own words. And then I'm probably going to interrupt once or twice with some things that they say that I believe are significant. So the first one I'm going to show you is Lance Wallnow. And by the way, there is lots of stuff that I will be saying about Lance Wallnow and probably in the next series. But this one, it's not really condemning, but it's him explaining the Seven Mountain Mandate. And I just picked up on a couple things I'm going to have to describe for those of you who are listening on Podbean or you know Spotify, Apple. All, all those different platforms. But this is Lance Wallnow explaining the seven mountain mandate. Now, this video was edited, uh, but I believe it's not taking him out of context in any way. Hi, I'm Lance Wallnow. I want to talk to you for a moment about this concept called the 7M mandate. In reality, it started with a conversation I had in the year 2000. I had been talking to Lauren Cunningham, who's the founder of Youth with a Mission, and Lauren was sharing with me about a conversation he had had with Bill Bright, 
The two of them were visited next to the Lord within the same 24 hours. And God spoke to them and said they had a message to give the other man. And the message was that there are seven molders of culture or seven world kingdoms. And that he who could take those kingdoms could take the harvest of nations. Now, this illustration is the way I see it. I look at it this way. I see those seven molders of culture as being the religion mountain as a metaphor for something you've got to take or climb. Uh, then we have education, we could say, family. These are in no particular order of importance. They all represent the forces that shape societies and nations. Government, media, art, which is the entertainment mountain, and uh, business, which is where we have the economics mountain happening also. Now, these seven fields of influence are very powerful, so powerful, in fact, that he who occupies the top of those mountains can literally shape the agenda that, that forms nations. Now, why would nations be critical to our conversation? I think the distinguishing characteristic of this hour for the church is that we have spent so much time focusing on the church mountain, which would be this mountain over here, that we have maybe forsaken our responsibility to the rest of the world we're called to influence. It's interesting to me that when the kingdom is brought up by Jesus, it's his first message and it's his final message. For 40 days, he's talking to the disciples about the kingdom. The kingdom, I believe, is larger than just what the church addresses. And this becomes the issue for us to contend with. You see, somewhere along the arc of time, we made a decision in the body of Christ that may not have been a wise one. We looked at the quantitative call of the gospel, that is, the call to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and we look at the harvest of souls as the main issue or agenda that we're focused on. But you see, there is a qualitative also aspect to this. And the qualitative assignment we have is to actually transform nations. And this process is called making disciples of what? Nations. Jesus in Matthew's commission says the following thing. He says, uh, all power is given unto me in Matthew 28, chapter 28, verse 19 says, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Now imagine this. This is the teaching aspect of the commission, you could say. We're to teach nations, and this is the preaching aspect. So we preach the gospel like a house on fire. We count souls, we plant churches, and we give to missions. However, we leave behind nations that actually get gobbled up by other ideologies. For instance, taking nations is what Abraham was promised. God said, I'm going to make you the father of nations. Jesus said, go make disciples of nations. The truth of the matter is, if we don't make disciples of nations, we're now experiencing a global uh, recession of democracy, not of economy. That means that democracy is failing. And this ought to concern you. Because when democracies are failing at the rate that they're failing, it means that the economy isn't going to operate in those nations. And you know why? the economy of nations isn't working. Friends of mine in the organization I'm a part of called Global Priorities 
have been able to transform prison systems from Colombia to the Supreme Court in Guatemala to working with the FBI right now in Mexico. And what they do is they put biblical foundations underneath those mountains. See, if you're going to have democracy, my friend, it doesn't come about because you've got a smarter economic idea. Contrary to what a lot of liberal-leaning economists in the United States want to think about, you actually have to realize that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And if you want to see freedom economically or freedom culturally or freedom politically, you have to honor God because Satan, with his powers in second heaven, is just waiting for democracies to fail so that he can raise up totalitarian, popular movements that are going to be speaking for the frustration of the masses. Because you know what the problem is? The elites that are at the top of these mountains right now are selfish. What they've got is a system for prosperity. What they don't have is a system of ethics and values. They do not have a kingdom value system. And so the number one reason why democracies are failing is because of corruption. Ask anyone, right now, you see heads nodding up and down. Anyone who travels the world in business or in ministry will tell you the issue is corruption. The foundation of the prosperity of nations is going to have to be the teaching of Jesus. You know, it sounds good, doesn't it? It's convincing. You know, Abraham was promised these things. I just want to point out, and you know, like I I'm, don't want to be nitpicking here, but uh, he draws one big mountain, which is a pyramid. <laughs> and then he draws a bunch of seven other little pyramids. And he points out the heads of those pyramids and he draws little eyes over them. Am I reading too much into this? But here's the thing. Let me just read this right now. Uh, give me one second. I'm going to, I'm going out of order, of course, <laughs> but, um, so what did Jesus say about discipling the world? Because he's saying we need to go and disciple the nations. That's what he said. And you have to remember that in by his own confession, he just said that the Lord spoke this word to these two gentlemen. And it actually turns out to be three or four. Um, that there's a new thing happening and new revelation. New revelation of what we're called to do. And then God's going to do a new thing. But there's new revelation. I want you to hold on to that because I really don't think there's new revelation. I think when Jesus uh, finished the book of Revelation, and he said, don't add unto this book, don't take away from this book, he was serious. So what does Jesus himself say about discipling? I'm going to go to John chapter 17, and I'm going to start in verse 13. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that you may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I 
am not of this world. This is Jesus talking to the Father. Verse 15, I am not asking you to take them out of this world, but to keep them away from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into this world, I also sent them into this world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they themselves may be sanctified in truth. Jesus isn't proclaiming we need to take over all the worldly systems. In fact, Jesus is emphatically clear that he will come back bringing his kingdom down. He will bring his judgment down. Not us. All right, let me go to the next clip. That one's pretty much done. Uh, give me one second here. We got too many screens open. Um, all right, just got to pause this. Give me one second. All right. Now, this next clip I'm going to play is Johnny Enlow. And we were, I was asked about this a little bit further. Um, he's describing his book that he wrote called The Seven Mountain Prophecy. And I gave a quote from the book, but I just kind of read it. Um, uh, I paraphrased it, but I'm going to read his exact quote from his book, uh, The Seven Mountain Prophecy. In essence, the Father says to the Son, Once you have purchased redemption for mankind, you will sit at my right hand. You will remain up there as the head, and your body on earth will crush your enemies until they do so. So your body. So we have to crush all the enemies of Satan is what Johnny Enlow is saying here. I just want to be clear about that. Your body on earth will crush your enemies. Until they do, you are not going back to rescue, rapture, save, or anything else. Your body, in fact, will not be a beautiful bride until she has accomplished this by crushing Satan. But a good thing we're gods, and we can do this, and we can actually make the uh, kingdom here on earth so Jesus can finally come back by our permission. Jesus can come back is what this man is saying. Now, I'm going to let you hear his uh, five or six minute video uh, discussing his book that I just quoted you from, The Seven Mountain Mandate. Hi, my name is Johnny Inlow. I'm author of the book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy. And it's a privilege for me to share with you a few moments here. I want to give you a, a brief synopsis of this book. 
and a little bit of the message of the book. In Psalms 2 and verse 8, it says, Ask of me and I'll give you the nations for an inheritance. We see the heart of the Lord to give us our nations even as our inheritance. Also, Matthew 28, 18, we know as the Great Commission, but maybe we haven't fully understand the, the full implications of it. The Great Commission is actually go and make disciples of all the nations, not just the people of the nations, not just the souls of the nations, but the nations themselves. And uh, the truth that comes out of this is that in order to see a nation transformed, in order to see a nation reformed, we are going to have to reform the sectors of society, the head sectors of society. And um, there are seven primary sectors of society uh, that must be reformed in order for us to see our nations become reformed. And that really comes uh, by revelation. I thought it was revelation I was receiving and found out others had received that same revelation. So in this book, I share a little bit about that. And um, it speaks into Isaiah 2.2 that speaks to the last days. In the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be exalted on the tops of the mountains, that nations even would flow and come running to the solutions that come out of the house of the Lord. And the seven sectors of society that I call the seven mountains are these. Number one, the mountain of government. They don't really have to be in these order. I'm just giving them in that way. Number two, the mountain of the economy. Number three, the mountain of the media. Number four, the mountain of education. Number five, the mountain of family. Number six, the mountain of celebration, which includes the arts and entertainment, all that. And number seven, the mountain of religion. And basically, we have only uh, acknowledged or known about our mission on the mountain of religion until now. Really, for the last 2,000 years, you could say that is where we have seen where our mission is. And it's we've had an understanding of the gospel of salvation. And the Lord is desiring us to understand the full implications, ramifications of the gospel of the kingdom, where we are called to bring the kingdom of God to all sectors of society. So in, in the message that I have, in, in the truth that the Lord has is, is revealing, and the insights that are there are into the seven sectors of society, what they are, then who is the enemy that operates there? What are the principalities and powers trying to do? What are the lies that they are bringing to that sector of society? In general, they're fairly simple lies that they are bringing to each one of these sectors of society. And I believe this book is particularly helpful uh, for the body of Christ at this time because it gives all of us a potential mission, not just the, the professional, the clergy, uh, you know, we ha we've had because we've only identified the mountain of religion or where the church operates as a sector of society to be reached, many in the body of Christ, in fact, 97% of those in the body of Christ will never hold a position in a church. And so this book does give you an opportunity to find your call in mission. Uh, what is your sector of society? What is the mountain the Lord desires for you to operate on and to you to see that as an extension of your ministry, that it is your ministry. All right, I'm just going to cut that clip short because it's really just an advertisement at this point. But I want to point out just a couple things here. And it sounds good. Listen, we are supposed to pray for people to go into those offices. We're, we want godly people in these offices. I want to be clear. We want that. 
But what they're calling for is the church to take over everything. What would that be if it was accomplished? Oh, I get it. It would be one world religion and one world political system. They're telling you in their own words, we need to take over all these mountains or spheres of influences. If we did, what would that bring? One world church, one world political system, new world order. They're doing the devil's bidding. You know why? And maybe they're not doing it purposefully. But this new revelation to do this is not in the Bible. This is this hidden knowledge coming out. And I'm going to get to that in a second. This is so bad. Um, Look, I'm just going to say it. This whole new apostolic reformation, um, the underlying tones of the latter reign, and a lot of these movements before and current are the light side of the Luciferian system. And wait till you see what they got planned for us. Now, in that clip, actually, he quoted Isaiah 2, verses uh, 2. I'm just going to read it to you, but then I'm going to read a little bit further so you understand what it actually means. Isaiah 2. Now it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. All the nations will stream to it. So they're using this as one of their key verses. Oh, it says mountain. Yeah, yeah. Okay, check. Got that. And it's the house of the Lord. So yeah, yeah the, the Lord's got to be there. Yeah, okay. We're, we check, 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 check. And then verse three, it says, and many peoples will come and say, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, so he may teach us about his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between the nations and will mediate for many peoples, and they will not beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not lift up a sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Is he talking about when Jesus brings back his physical kingdom, like the thousand-year reign? The problem is Jesus brings back his kingdom. On this, they want to bring the kingdom do it for God. In other words, you're in charge of your own ascension because Jesus ascended. It's a play on words. You'll be like God. Um, okay. <laughs> so I've talked about Blavatsky and I talked about Bailey, but there's someone else that was, and there's a whole bunch of them actually, folks. I could get into Aleister Crowley and stuff like that. I just 
don't really want to read all that stuff. Um, perhaps in a future episode in the next series, but there was a uh, prophetess in the 1600s named Lead, and she was in something called the Philadelphian Society. And, you know, it was inspired by the book of Philadelphia in the book of Revelations. And uh, so she was a, essentially a dispensationalist. There's, the, you know, the coming church ages. And it is my firm belief, and I think the Bible's very clear on it, that when these letters to the seven churches were written, they were actually written and delivered to seven different churches that were there. <laughs> they they were there. So uh, anyways, she put together a 60-point prophecy. Again, you can look this up. It's easy to find. I'm not going to read the entire thing. Her name is Jane Lead. Um, you can find it quite easily. And this was a big part of what inspired uh, Branham and the latter reign, and it's really formed the Branham Doctrine. And by the way, you're not going to believe how many of these modern prophets and apostles want Branham's mantle. Just like Benny Hinn went to Catherine Coleman's grave and soaked up her anointing, these guys, and they admit it, they say it out loud. <laughs> um. So I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I, I'm just going to put it this way. The first several points of the prophecy are about the sealed mysteries that would only be revealed to worthy seekers. And she talks about, um, you know, essentially referencing in Daniel that, uh, that some books were sealed. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that it kind of makes sense. Um, and by the way, this, uh, this, so th this is a real blend of theosophy, which we covered, uh, and then she goes on to prophesy of an elite church that would go beyond anything previously known. In fact, the church would be a virgin that would give birth to the son mentioned in Revelation 12, 5. This is not my belief. I want to be clear. Um, basically, she's saying it, it will come from the stem of David, the bloodlines, important we've learned about them, right? Which have known nothing of man or human constitution is yet to be born. And so these things are going to be born. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just read from here. Uh, so there's a virgin that's going to born this church. That they're an elite church. They're going to become immortal. Okay, um, I'll just read from here. The virgin that is hereto designed must be of pure spirit, so also of a clarified body, and all over impregnated by with the Holy Ghost. This church so brought forth and signed with the mark of the divine name shall be adorned with the miraculous gifts and powers beyond whatever hath yet been. Listen to this, because I, the ecumenicism is a big part of this with the One World Church. And by the way, all these NAR guys, they've met with the Pope and they've basically already signed. So a lot of this stuff is happening. Listen to this. This is from 
1679, Jane Lead. This Catholic and anointed church must be perfect, perfectly holy as Christ himself is holy, so that it may be worthy to bear the name of the Lord, our holiness. So, okay. And the Lord, our righteousness, our righteousness. Until there be such a church made ready upon the earth, so holy, so Catholic, and so anointed that it is without spot or wrinkle and is adorned as a bride to meet her bridegroom, Christ, who will not personally descend to solemnize this marriage and present the name to his father. Oh, this is from 1679, this theosophist, paganist, prophetess uh, in this movement. Um, that sounds just like what Lance Wall now says in his book. Huh. Maybe there's nothing new under the sun. Um, oh boy, I got I got so much stuff here. I, I don't want the show to go on too long. Um, I've got some quotes here from Albert Pike. Actually, let me read. So Albert Pike was a 33rd degree Mason. He wrote uh, a number of books that are kind of like the high books of Masonry. And don't forget, Alice Bailey was calling out. In fact, I'm just going to go back to an Alice Bailey quote real quick here. Um, and this is part of her plan. They have stood behind governments and politicians. They've controlled the electorate. They have financed the world's businesses and controlled it. Oil, coal, power, light, and transportation. They publicly or sub rosa in secret the world's bank accounts. Uh, that's from her book, Problems of Humanity. And then she writes, the menace to world freedom lies in the devious and lying machinations of the Zionists. The light side has to rise for the freedom of the nations. Now let's listen to Albert Pike. We shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists, and we shall provoke a great social cataclysm, which in all its horror will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, the origins of savagery, and the most bloody turmoil. Then, everywhere, the people will be forced to defend themselves against the world minority of the world revolutionaries and will exterminate those destroyed of civilization and the multitudes disillusioned with Christianity whose spirits will be from that moment without direction and leadership and anxious for an ideal but without knowledge where to send its adoration will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer brought finally out into public view, a manifestation which will result from a general reactionary movement which will follow the destruction of Christianity, atheism both conquered and exterminated at the same time time. 
one world religion, one world political system. And I made a comment on the, on the preview to the series, if you'll remember. If you listen to these people, and you can find them easily on YouTube, they, they don't get their accounts banned for this. But they channel like St. Germain and the Matira, who's the teacher of the world, these ascended masters. They're all saying the same thing, but it's light and love. Light and love. So I talked about Branham last time in the latter rain, I, and it, these things are important. I, I want you to understand where all this modern day stuff, because I just played you two modern day guys, right? Where a lot of this modern day stuff comes from. Um, so in 1951, George Warnock, who worked with Branham, okay, he was like a, he was right there with him. There was a whole bunch of them, but. These were the guys that were the standouts. He wrote a book that became one of the most important statements of the new order of latter rain, The Feast of Tabernacles. That's the name of the book. Now, just like Jane Lead, this is a dispensational gospel. And essentially, it has this... Uh, that the, uh, the all the tabernacles have been fulfilled. Uh, so it's based on an allegorical interpretation of the feasts of Israel, that the Feast of Tabernacles is still standing for the glorious end times church that would arise before Christ can return. Listen, only the Father knows when Christ is going to return. Uh, Warnock states in this book, uh, a key premise that the theology of the latter reign, as well as the new apostolic reformation, here's his quote from Warnock. How thankful we are, therefore, that God is revealing the pattern of perfection, the ascension gifts, the ministries of the body of Christ. These are the means of perfecting the saints. And as we have read, they are to remain in the church till we come into unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. We must become perfect. I just want to read a couple scriptures here real quick. Um, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Our faith overcomes the world, not our army, which they're getting to. <clears throat> and I want to remind you, I'm going to have to keep going back to this, but um, Matthew 24, verses 9 through 11. This is Jesus speaking. Uh, they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away. And they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up 
and mislead many people. <clears throat> so Jesus say, says that they're going to want to kill you if you keep his commandments, essentially. And you'll be hated by the nations. Now, I just, just happened to notice that Jesus didn't say, and you are commanded to take over all nations, and you are to rule as gods in this earth. You know, he didn't say that. He forgot to mention that on the Serpent of the Mount, too. Just throwing that out there for you to, to wonder, uh, to consider. So <clears throat> this is the stuff that is happening. Now, I want to play some clips. Um, as you know, recently, I was at the reawakening tour from Clay Clark. And uh, there were many speakers there. And I shared on my uh, patrons for Podbean, you know, my detailed notes about it. And there's a reason why I don't want to release that right now, because I mention a whole bunch of names. Um, and it's really strategic. It's not that I'm afraid to mention those names. Believe me, there's going to be a lot of names mentioned in the next series. Um, but a lot of them were the pastors that I mentioned. And I'll just, without mentioning the names, I'm going to tell you that, uh, well, there was, let, let's say, you know, 20 kind of clergy people, um, three quarters of them came out and did nothing but promote themselves. That's just my notes. So again, the premise of me going there was to throw out all my biases, and I just sat there as an audience member for the first time and took notes of what they said. So I all my research out the window, any preconceived notion out the window, what are they going to say? I sat there as a media or as a as just a member of the audience, and they just came out and promoted themselves for half an hour. So it's easy to pick on them, and perhaps I will in the future. But there's another person that was there, and uh, he's very popular. And, of course, I'm talking about Scott McKay. And what I'm going to show you... Um, is where this is going, and I have a couple explicit warnings for you. Now, there's I'm going to play a number of clips, so just be patient with me as I change clips. There's a couple, so he gives the same speech every time, essentially. You know, he comes out does the same speech every reawakening tour. You can look them up for yourself. You can see the entire speech. Um, he gives his testimony, and his testimony. Uh, has a lot of parts to it, but essentially he says a couple interesting things and I know that they're not on accident because it's a pre-canned speech and he says it every time. But he talks about his two motorcycle accidents and man, that's horrific. I know friends, I've known people who've died in them. My father almost died in them. I ride motorcycles, it's dangerous. I get it. But he talks about his incredible recovery after years and the hard work he put in. And, you know, that's a good story, to be honest. It's a good story of overcoming. Uh, and it's powerful. That's why he puts it in there. But he essentially says, and the lesson he's learned from it is he cannot be killed. 
he will be immortal. Now you might think he's just joking about that, but when you hear the rest of the theology, it kind of goes into the Joel's army thing. Oh, did I read Joel's army to you yet? Give me one second. I'm not sure if I did. Um, you know what? I, I didn't, and I don't have it up in front of me, but uh, they base this whole thing, the manifest sons of God, Joel's army, off of the pro prophet Joel, uh, Joel, the second chapter. You can read it for yourself. And uh, I left it out because it's too much reading uh, for right now. But let me play uh, this guy. And one of the points, and, and I, I actually saw someone else make this point, and I want to give this person credit. Um, actually, I don't even know his name, and I, the channel is something preparedness or something like that. I, I apologize at the time. Uh, but anyways, he made a point about the Reawaken tour and how they market this tour to pastors. And, you know, one of the things is when I went there, um, I know they say you can get your ticket for, you know, if whatever money you have and you can negotiate with them and stuff like that. Uh, I, I didn't really want to haggle, you know, I, I can come up with some money, you know, if I need to. But uh, when I was on the phone with the person in Clay's team, she asked, are you a pastor? And I said, well, actually, I'm not a pastor, but I have a faith-based broadcast. And, my, you know, I was honest and ethical with her, as I really don't have a title. Uh, and she goes, well, we'll give you a VIP ticket for half price. I said, done. Thank you. So they actually really advertise it. And right on the advertisement, they uh, put that uh, pastors can get in for half price. So they're really marketing. Oh, geez, I didn't even realize I still got the marketing live from Babylon up here. Oh, boy. Uh, apologize. That was from the last show I did. Uh, silly me. Um, all right. So I'm just going to present a whole bunch of clips here. The first one I'm going to show is just Clay Clark um, being introduced by, or sorry, uh, Scott McKay being introduced. And the reason I'm showing this is he's pretty popular. And by the way, he's got a really slick intro video that he runs. You know, um, actually, I'm going to let a part of that play. Uh, just a part, but uh, watch, watch this. And gentlemen, how many of you know the name Scott McKay? Hey, <laughs> well, Devin, can we queue up the video? Do you have a video ready to go? Okay, I'm going to exit over here. You're going to play the video. Let's do it these truths to be self-evident that all right so he has this big intro video but did you hear the crowd the crowd is really really super stoked that he is there can i do it this way no i can't um all right so you do have to be patient with me as i change what i did is i have like five windows open with all of these. So already at the timestamps. 
So this timestamp is very interesting. It's uh, just a, a couple minutes in. And I, by the way, uh, as part of his testimony, he comes out and it's right like in the first sentences, he comes out and says Christ consciousness. Um, but he talks about being born again at 14 years old. Keep that in mind. So he's claiming to be born again at 14. But uh, these next several clips are going to be quite revealing of what he says. You ever wonder what banks do? Oh, darn. It reset on me. I apologize. All right, ladies and Ladies and gentlemen. Because like the cross is Street Fighter now, so guess what? The Patriot Street Fighter Army is coming after him because he's going to be unseated. So for those we have to really go to work on, because of my native heritage, the, the tomahawk represents what we are going to offer these scumbags and these criminals, these politicians, these corrupt people. This is a peace pipe. This truly is a functional peace pipe, and I'm going to get to the point, no, we've never smoked anything out of it yet. This is what we offer them. If they put down their corrupt ways, leave power, leave office, and move on and give us our country back, this is what they get. However, if they choose to continue the corrupt ways, the only thing left for them is the blade of war of we the people, and that's coming. So as you know, Patriot Street Fighter has become a global phenomenon, and I think it's really because I simply was willing to call these people out in a way nobody's ever heard them called out. Identify who the enemy targets are in all aspects of society and the governing architecture of this world. And I came to the conclusion, once I learned about the kids, once I learned about the tunnels, the trafficking, the, 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 the things that I won't get into here, but you know what I'm referencing. That's when I decided that I was going to declare my own war because it seemed like nobody in the world, including the political class, had the guts to go after this architecture, to go after these people. And I waited for 20 years plus. I worked in elected politics. All right. So you can have the peace pipe or you can have the hatchet. Interesting. Interesting. Um, the army, it's a global phenomenon. By the way, there is an army forming. I'm going to cover that in a later show. Don't underestimate this thing, which is, well, I'm a, I'll continue from on oh darn i had all these timestamps and i don't know why they reset but i hope we don't get another commercial actually i'm just not going to put it on the screen yet i'm just gonna get there first i really apologize about this i had them all set up All right, this should be close enough. 
Is any of this sound, sounding like the other stuff that I uh, I read or you've heard? Should be. Look at the media in June 2015 and said, fake news, enemy of the people. And I knew we have our guy. Talking about Trump. Once I saw that happen and I said, holy Mary, mother of God, there he is. There he is. There's the guy. And that kind of brought me off. Holy Mary, mother of God. Ecumenicism. Sidelines. And uh, went to social media. Once he won, then I retracted again. And then 2020 came around and they launched their two weapons, BLM and Antifa. That's when I blew the gasket. Created the tipping point on Revolution Radio, a show that was going to be about spiritual ascension and human consciousness. And from the very first show that I did on spiritual ascension and human consciousness, it became this high-octane, full-throttle truth hammer on all the scumbags. And I haven't been able to stop ever since, and nor will I, until they're done. <laughs> ascension. Consciousness. Boy, there is a lot of stuff here, folks. Um, okay, let me fast forward a little bit. Good thing I wrote down these timestamps and I have them in front of me. Yeah, close enough. This one is the warning that if you're not in the ascension, you're against us, man. Anybody off the hook who is not working for humanity, anybody that is coming in in this movement, which is drawing anybody and everybody from all corners of the planet, they want a piece of this. If I see that they are not working for the benefit of humanity, you know what I do. Yes, the tomahawk. <laughs> Don't you ever say hatchet again for the rest of your whole life, ever. <laughs> Okay, so if you're not with us, you're against us. Huh. Don't want to slow down the ascension. Oh, this next part is solid gold, folks. Remember, he was born again at age 14. Oh, yeah, this is the good one. Close enough. Conversation with uh, Reverend William last night, and I said, "You know what the problem is? We need the preachers and the pastors in the country coming onto this battlefield with my attitude all over the country." I assure you, if these guys came into the public forum of conversation with my attitude, this thing would end fast. Believe me. Believe me, you have the pastors of the country coming out like it is a revolutionary war, putting the Bible down, grabbing a musket, heading out into the hills, packing guns. Put the Bible down. Don't need that. Grab a gun. And powder in that thing and start going to, into the fight, taking human life. If they were taking human life, he's calling for pastors to take human life. Did you catch that? Would come at it from that perspective. This thing collapses. Quickly, most of you know I attack the religious order every chance I get. Why? Because if they worked, if the, if what they were doing was efficient, 
If that message was working, this world wouldn't have descended into the satanic order that it is. I'm sorry. Let's call a spade a spade. So from the religious order, we need fighters. We need battlefield soldiers. I can tell you this. We have shifted balance in that mindset because the parishioners of the religious establishments in the country who understand what's really going on, they now can see a clear picture. And I can tell you, these people that bring the Patriot Street Fighter through their doors and put them on the stage, they mean business. It's all about him. Um, you know what? I've got one last clip of him. But I want to talk to you real quick here. Um, and I'm not saying he's part of the NAR. His philosophy just happens to line up with it. Mm. All right, I'm just going to speak from the heart. So a couple things you have to understand about the NAR is they're self-appointed apostles and prophets. And they're in as long as they follow what the head apostle says. Okay, this is the rulership structure that has been set up, and they're self-appointed. And right now, what I see are a bunch of apostles and prophets jockeying for position. I also think that this particular gentleman is jockeying for position as well. Um, pastors that will kill. What was that uh, we just read in Matthew where, you know, You'll be turned over by your loved ones. You're stopping the ascension, man. All right, one more clip of this guy. Close enough. sanity on to the local communities and then throughout the regions and the states and then it goes national. Why? Because we don't show up. That's the problem with the Republican Party. Then one of the reasons I walked away in 06, these people don't know how to fight. They don't know how to fight. And make no mistake, this is a fight. And if they haven't realized it up until now, they never are. But I'm telling you something. When God sends the Archangel Michael down here to do business, he's bringing a sword. He's lopping heads off and blood's going to flow, right? So people, what I, what I have learned is this. There came a point in time where I kept losing in many battlefields in my life, business, um, politics, other aspects of my life, friendships, business relationships, whatever. I finally drew a conclusion and decided to change course. Now... I don't allow anybody or any, anyone or anything or any organization to use my virtues against me. If we're going to get into a fight, it's going to get muddy, bloody, vicious. I'm going to rip your head off. Oh, did he just threaten me? Did I just use you in that way? Sorry, I'm, just, I'm actually advertising you, Scott. Well, very, very telling.
as mentioned, if you don't think that this thing isn't being organized, you're uh, you're missing it. It is being organized. And you got to remember, basically all the other major religions acknowledge Jesus, but they call him a prophet. And so, you know, and, and you know, some pagans and that, they think he's an ascended master. It's all these different things that they say about Jesus. But what they're saying when they say that we are God, well, first of all, they say that Jesus was just a man and he couldn't do the miracles on his own unless essentially you have to read deep into this stuff, but essentially what they think is that Jesus would see a vision and then he would act out the vision and the father would tell him what to do. And it was all done by the father. He was just a man until he was baptized. And they, they twist the scripture about when God, the father says, this is my son with whom I'm pleased. Jesus clearly was God in the beginning. <laughs> He's God now. But they twist it. And so what happens when they twist these scriptures is they bring the deity of God down to human and they bring us up to deity of the Lord. What does that do? It cancels out your salvation. Now you have to earn your salvation. And essentially, one of the big things, in, and it's by so many paths, there's so many religions and that, and they're all going to come into agreement. They're almost already there. Okay, it's the fundamentalist Christians, the few, the few that really believe the word that are on the outside of that. That's you and me. And they're going to try to convince you that you got everything right. It's just this one thing. You actually have to ascend because God is in you. And I have some insight on how they're going to sell that to you. That's a different video for a different day. Um, it's creepy. They essentially, I'll give away, they essentially... The Garden of Eden is in you and uh, all this stuff and the oil has to rise. It's creepy. It's really creepy. Esoteric teaching. But just like Alice Bailey said, just like Pike said, just like Blavatsky said, Jane Lead said, there's going to be this revelation in these days. And part of the revelation will most likely be the Gnostic texts as well coming out and Here's the correction. And man, these political elites that have been taken down, they put this in the Bible to trick you. It's so sneaky, folks. But they're planting the seeds right now. And a lot of these pastors and prophets, they say 90 to 95% of what they say is good and true. But they just slip in with little words here and there. Little words. They're planting those seeds. And then someone else comes back and waters them. Eventually, 
those seeds are going to grow up to be the chaff and it's going to be burnt. And I pray over every single person in this community and those who are going to join our community in the future, those who were with us and who have left. I pray that you will not be deceived. One other thing that they do have right, however, uh, in talking about this stuff is, you know, I'm not in favor of the one world church. Sounds great. You know, if we were all in charge, sounds great. Uh, just not what the plan is according to God. So uh, we kind of have to go with God's plan. But right now, when there's supply chain issues, uh, when we know because our innocence has been stolen, we know that everything being sold to us is poison and stuff like that. Please join if you've been put if you've been putting it off. Go to mylibertystand.com or send an email to writeonjeff at gmail.com. So mylibertystand.com or writeonjeff at gmail.com. And by the way, um, we've got we we work in Singapore now. I'm working in Australia and New Zealand now. Mexico, and I'm ready to open up the United Kingdom. So if you're in the United Kingdom, you can now qualify. If you're in any of those places, uh, please just send me an email, uh, right on jeff at gmail.com, because we're going to have to coordinate a, uh, a time when you and I can speak with the time changes and stuff like that. So keep that in mind, if you will. But to go to mylibertystand.com. Hey, let me know what you think. Uh, I, I do read every one of your comments and I appreciate them. And if you can hit that rumble button, uh, that's also great. And uh, for those of you on Podbean, I read every comment as well. So I appreciate you all very much. So in the meantime, remember to love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself and make a difference in your community. But don't forget Thursday's show will be the finale. I think it's going to be great. God actually gave me the finale about a week ago before he gave me, before I even got this show together. And, uh, and you want to hear the announcement about the new series. Uh, very, very important. And I think you're going to like it. See you next time. God bless you.